Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We thank you this morning, Father, that we know you. That's why we can call you Father. And as your children, we know that you love us and you protect us and give us everything that we need. We thank you that we are able to meet here together as a family. And we know that you will be here with us during this service. Be with those who are worshiping different time zones around the world. Bless them also, Father. Watch over them. Supply whatever needs they might, need, they might have. Just as we here in, in Beaumont, we have our own needs here in our church. There are some in our congregation that are maybe in the hospital, some that are not well at home, and some that are on the verge of transferring over here to Beaumont. I also want to pray for my sister, Father, you know, in the condition that she's in. So we pray that, you will, that they will be able to touch your healing hand, that if it's your will, that you will heal them, that they may be able to return to church and return to you, knowing that you were indeed watching over them and you were supplying their need. Be with our pastor now as he brings us a spoken word this morning. May we be blessed in a very special way. Forgive all our many sins, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Sabbath, church. When Jesus was born here on earth, nobody knew. I mean, not everybody knew that he was born when, in fact, he was born in a manger, no crib on a bed. But this time he's coming with great power and glory, and in majesty he will come. The piece that I would like to share and offer to God today is entitled, In Majesty, In Majesty He Will Come. Thank you. 
Terry Lance with you on a Testing one, two, ah, there we go. It worked last night. I figured it'd work today. Again, I want to say the Lord blessed last night in a way that it was hard for me to go home and go to bed. The Holy Spirit moved so well. It was a revelation last night to be able to see so many people that were responding and saying, you know, Lord, I need not only help and forgiveness of things within my, my life that's going on right now, but I need the congregation to be able to pray for me. And so we need to be praying for them as well, too. Okay, guys, where's the picture? I didn't change anything from last night. You got a green light on there, Lance? Did you push the computer? On the on the projector? Do you have a green light? No? Oh, here we go again. Now it's plugged in. Now you got the green light? Now you do. Okay, time's up. We can go Good job. You should have seen. Did you notice all the testosterone that was up here on the platform this morning? Should have seen us in the back room. Comparing ages. Having a hard time kneeling to pray before we came out. And then sharing ailments with each other. And that's what happens. Those of you who were not here last week, we started a sermon having to do with fasting. Fasting is very important in the Bible. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus and they wondered, why can't we cast the devil out of these people like what you do? And Jesus told them that the only way that you're going to be able to cast them out is by fasting and prayer. They go hand in hand. And we discovered that in many cases, a lot of us have uh, not really understood the uh, biblical teaching of, of fasting and the importance of fasting. And that's why we started to take a look at it. But we want to look at it today. How, how do you really fast? We want to see what the Bible has to say. But before we start, we need to pray. Father, I'm of unclean lips. I need the power of the Spirit that was with me last night to be with me today. As this congregation comes to feed upon your holy word, we just pray that that feeding that we will receive will bring new life to ourselves, to this church, and to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So how do we fast? Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. It says, when you fasted and mourned, was it really for God that you fasted? You know, sometimes we fast to impress other people. To show how religious we are. But we've got to ask ourselves the question that when we fasted, did we really fast? Are we running out of mic up there now? Did we really fast? There we go. Was it really for God that we fasted? Fasting a prayer will not be of any good if I am estranged from God. I need to have that connection with Him. If I'm not willing to change my life by the grace of God, my fasting and prayer will accomplish absolutely nothing. I'm, if I'm not willing to maintain a daily connection with God and with the Bible and to be able to pray, what good would it do to fast and pray when I'm in trouble? And I go back to my old way of life, neglecting God in my daily life. What will it do for me? Nothing. Isaiah gives us information about fasting that many of us have never known. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 10. Look at this very closely. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? God is the one that chooses the fast. And he says, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger... And the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. What is he saying? He's saying that fasting is more than just the abstinence of food. I am to change from my wicked, selfish ways. I'm to, to get away from the things that stress me. I'm not to condemn others who have hurt me or speak wickedly of individuals. I am to share what I have with others, which fulfills the words of Jesus when he said, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Am I willing to live the life that Christ wants me to live? If I'm willing to do that and I show that in my actions, then my fasting and my prayer will work. Zechariah 7, verse 5, 9, and 10. When you fasted and mourned, did you really fast for me? Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone, to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. A true fast is not a formal service that we do, 
A true fast comes from the sincere desire to live like Jesus Christ lived here on this earth. If I'm willing to do that, Jesus gives to me this ability in my fasting and prayer to have power come from upon high. I have to have this willingness to do what Jesus again. Again, we look at Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The fasting is not to impress the church about what you're doing. The fasting is to be done secretly. Ellen White helps to explain this passage in Signs of the Times, December the 3rd, 1896. She says that Jesus taught his disciples that a humble and contrite spirit is an inward principle, that the austere, gloomy countenance is not an index to a humble, submissive spirit. While the heart should have the grace of humility, the countenance should be cheerful, not gloomy and repulsive. Nothing is so repulsive to Christ as insincere devotion, voluntary humility, and hypocritical almsgiving. Devotion to God does not consist in groans and sighs and a sound countenance. It's not the pain that you're going through that's going to impress Christ. It is the willingness to be able to live for Christ. Fasting really should be a happy time, not a sorrowful time. There are four types of fasting, and we need to look at these very carefully. Some of you think of fasting, you think of a total fast. A total fast consists of no food, no water, and we find an example of this in the book of Esther when she speaks to Mordecai. She says in Esther 4, verse 16, she says, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. So that's a total fast, no eating nor drinking. In this case, it was for 30 days. Jesus went in the wilderness. How long did he fast? 40 days. Okay. So the total fast is without the food and without the water. All right. So let's take a look at the next type of fast. It's called the common food fast. With this type of a fast, all food is eliminated while still drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water like you're supposed to every day. Only persons in good health should attempt this type of a fast, and when doing so, they should not fast longer than two weeks without medical supervision. Also, if this type of a fast is done for more than a couple of days, you've got to take great care, and when you come back to reintroducing food, don't jump in and start eating casseroles and the cheese pizza again because your stomach 
will reject that type of a food. It'll be in such a state of shock that uh, you, 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 your whole digestive system gets messed up. So we need to begin then with, with juice, uh, fruit, juicy fruit or gradually use uh, fruit juices and then go into juicy vegetables and then whole grains and then complex proteins. So a common food fast is abstaining from food, but you're still drinking water. Then there's the modified food fast. For a set period of time, some may limit their number of meals or eliminate certain types of foods. Daniel, when he was contemplating the vision of the future for God's people, went on a modified fast. We'll see it in Daniel 10, verses 2 and 3. It says, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. In the Hebrew, it means sweet bread. No meat. Uh, it doesn't mean meat, but it's no food. Or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. He didn't eliminate all foods from his diet, only certain foods. Ellen White suggests that a modified food fast is the recommended fast for God's people. Medical Ministry, page 283. Here's what it says. The true fasting which should be recommended to all is abstinence from every stimulating kind of food and the proper use of wholesome, simple food which God has provided in abundance. So that's the third type of a fast, a modified fast. Then there's the lifestyle fast. With a lifestyle fast, certain or all secular activities are eliminated, such as television. Oh, boy, did I step on toes, huh? Radio, books, games, shopping, the Internet, text messaging. Well, I got you here in church. Okay, going to the beach. The, the list is endless. The time saved in doing a lot of these things are used for more profitable things like Bible study and prayer. Other types of lifestyle fast may include giving extra tithes and offerings. And I should have said this before we took up the offering. From sexual relations, limiting social activities, not wearing certain types of immodest clothing, eliminating makeup and other things that God might impress upon an individual. These types of fasts often symbolizes or demonstrates to God a willingness to change your lifestyle if God sees fit. Now let's look at, at a three-day fast. I believe a three-day modified fast is the safest way to fast and to pray. Now keep in mind that if you're a diabetic, you may need to watch your blood sugar and should contact your physician before you start any, any fast whatsoever. But I want to look at the biblical patterns of the number of days of fasting that's found within the Bible itself. If you had time to study all the Bible texts that mention certain number of days, you would also discover a pattern of significance that goes with those days. So let's quickly look 
at the results. A one-day fast is mentioned 67 times in the Bible. One day can either change your life for the good or it can change your life for the bad. It took only one day to be destroyed, to be cut off of the vine and fall into sin back in the Garden of Eden. Desire of Ages says this on page 83. By one day's neglect, Mary and Joseph lost the Savior, but it cost them three days of anxious search to find him. So with us, by idle talk, evil speaking, or neglect of prayer, we may in one day lose the Savior's presence, and it may take many days of sorrowful search to find him and regain the peace that we have lost. So... One day fast can be good, but then you can also, in the next day, you can lose it all as well, too, depending on your relationship with the Lord. You will also find from the context in the Bible that when someone fasts for one day, they're usually gathering together to receive some type of instruction from the Lord. So we need to have some clarification, Lord, what you want us to do, and so they will fast for one day. Two-day fast, mentioned 24 times in the Bible. The two-day fast, the significance is, is to do with, has to do with preparation. It's mentioned, like I said, 24 times in the Bible. Exodus 16, 29. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days, let everyone remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. This is not a fast, but it gives you an illustration of what God does in a couple of days is to be able to prepare us for something. And a fast can also be a time of preparation as well, too. And you will see that that happens many times within the Bible is preparing your heart for something when you begin to see this. But really what I want to look at is the three-day fast. Three-day fast is used 114 times in the Bible. Almost sounds like this must be more important than a one-day or a two-day fast. When studying the Bible, we find that it takes three days for purification by God, to seek safety from our enemies, to be set free, to be restored, to be redeemed, to be given provisions that are needed, to gain victory and to receive the revelation of God. So the three days, here's what the spirit of prophecy says about preparation of God's people at Mount Sinai. The Lord said to Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai during these intervening days, the three days, all were to occupy the time in solemn preparation to appear before God. Their person and their clothing must be freed from impurity, and as Moses should point out their sins, they were to devote themselves to humiliation, fasting, and prayer, that their hearts might be cleansed from iniquity on the morning of the third day the Lord made known his law. So three days they were to be, if they were to 
clean up their, their lifestyle. They are to clean up their bodies. They are to clean up everything about them, their hearts, their outward garments, in order to meet the Lord. We want to meet the Lord, don't we? So wouldn't it make sense that three days of preparation and fasting would be significant to his people back then? It would be significant for us today in preparing ourselves to be able to meet the Lord. To prepare ourselves, we need that baptism of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is that preparation beforehand to be able to change us in whatever ways that God sees fit and we need to be fasting and praying and seeking that the baptism of the Holy Spirit will come to make us ready for that time. What does God promise when we fast? Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. His promise, he promises that he will hear our prayers. In the case of the seminar that we're doing, he hears our pleas for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He hears our pleas for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 6, verses 17 and 18. When you fast, your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. The reward is waiting. God wants to reward us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's his greatest desire because when God's church is ready, when his people are ready and want to go out and prepare the world for the soon coming of Jesus, then Jesus will come. Joel 2, 15, 23, 24, 28, and 32. Sounds like a lot, but take a look what it says. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion. We're talking about before the second coming of Jesus is the context. Sanctify a fast. Call us in a, a solemn assembly, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the latter rain. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That's what we're looking for. So he's calling for us to come together, to assemble together. That's what we did last night. That's what we're going to do tonight, tomorrow night, all through the week. It's going to be a time of assembling together, and we're going to be pleading for the Lord to be able to baptize us with that Holy Spirit that we're looking for, to prepare us so that we can be delivered. So that's what we need, to be prepared. Without the promise of the sanctifying Holy Spirit, we will not experience the latter rain. So how willing are you? You've got to answer that question yourself. I can't answer it for you. I would hope and desire that every person that is here will be able to receive the outpouring of this Holy Spirit. But it's dependent not upon what I want. It's dependent upon you, what you want personally. Take a look at Luke 11, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Do you see how willing he is? God is just itching to start. Are we willing to accept? So what's he waiting for? You shall receive power, page 221. He, God, is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. 
then let us not be satisfied with only a little of this blessing, only that amount which will keep us from the slumber of death, but let us diligently seek for the abundance of the grace of God. He has the Holy Spirit. He's ready to pour out in great abundance, but it depends on our cup. Whether I have a big, huge wash tub to receive it, or I have a little thimble. And so God says, it is really up to you. How much of this Holy Spirit do you want to receive? If you only want to receive a little bit, that's all you're going to get. If you don't want to receive anything, if you don't even want to participate, that's okay. You don't have to. So what are we planning? What do we want to do in in the days to come in this seminar? We have a plan for the last weekend, not this weekend. you got potluck today, so don't worry. I'm not going to spring the fast on you today. But next weekend. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to use the Jewish reckoning for counting the days. We're not going to take and actually have exactly three 24-hour days, but we're going to do the three-day fasting. Friday at noon, we're going to start. That's this coming Friday. We're going to start our modified three-day fasting and even include, if you like, include a lifestyle fasting, the two of them together. So at noon next Friday, we're going to start this modified three-day fast, eating only real simple foods. If some of you are up to it, you can do a common fast consisting only of water and no food, but also include, if you would, eliminating some of your lifestyle that you're used to as a form of fasting as well, too. We've turned off our television. We haven't had our television on for a while. Amazing how much time you have to be able to study together. No newspapers, no magazines, and any other events that takes time for you to do or to prepare Step back, and if I can, if you by your permission, I know you're wanting to eat, but I want to show you one more thing that I believe strongly in because it's found in the Bible. Do you remember Jacob's ladder? Remember when Jacob was cast out of his home because he deceived his his father, and uh, his father thought that he was ble- giving the blessing to Esau, the firstborn, when in reality he gave it to to Jacob. He saw angels. There was a big ladder or stairs that went from earth to where? Heaven. And the angels were coming and going, sending and descending. Reached clear to heaven. He knew when he saw that out there in the middle of this wilderness, he knew that that was a sacred place and that he was on holy ground, and the presence of God was with him. Later, when Jacob came back that way with his family and his servants, he knew he was going to be coming into that area, and he was about to see Esau coming with, with his army, and he didn't know if it was going to be good news or bad news, but he knew that he was about to enter sacred ground. And he gave an order to his family and to his servants. He knew that he was coming back to the presence of God. Look what he says to them. Genesis 35, verses 1 through 4. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, 
and make an altar there to God. That's where the presence of God would be. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So it was sacred, holy ground. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all of their foreign gods which were in their hands. We're talking about rings and bracelets and all their earrings, which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. Jacob knew he was heading towards sacred ground, and before he entered the place of the appearance of God, he told his family, he told his people, that they needed to cast off these things that would hinder that relationship of God coming. The things that cost money that could be used as ornaments. He says, put them away. That money could be used for God's work. That's what we're saying. So in our fasting, a lifestyle change, I believe that it's necessary to remove all jewelry and ornaments from our bodies and to begin to dress moderately and appropriately. I believe God wants us to wear our best to church because when we're coming to church... We are on holy ground and we ask the presence of God to be here in this church. This is not like any other place in the world. We're not here for comfort. We're here to be able to see God, to be in the presence of God, to experience God, to feel His Holy Spirit, and we don't want anything to hinder that relationship. Because many times our jewelry and many times the clothes that we wear because our neighbors are wearing them and I want to be comfortable is the same thing that could hinder us from experiencing God. The jewelry and everything calls attention to me. And the person who is receiving the Holy Spirit is not full of self, but is full of the Spirit of Christ. Anything that it calls attention to self needs to be done away with. Friday noon, modified three-day fast, includes lifestyle fasting. Sabbath, we're going to continue the modified fasting and prayer along with the lifestyle fasting. Sunday morning, we're going to break our fast. Seven o'clock in the morning, we'll meet in the fellowship hall we will have a simple breakfast. And then we're going to meet together as a group and pour our hearts out in prayer. And the elders are going to be there. And we're going to place our hands on each other. And by the anointing of the hands on each people, we're going to seek by prayer the baptism of the Holy Spirit on this church three day fast I know it isn't three 24 hours but in Jewish reckoning if you have a part of a one day it's still a day you got all of Sabbath that's the second day Sunday morning 
is part of Sunday. That's the third day, and that's when we're going to be fasting. Not going to ask you to do any more than the modified fasting to still eat just simple foods. Lifestyle change is not going to kill you for those three from Friday to Sunday morning. It's not going to kill you. Change comes to church Sabbath. Come dress to meet the Lord. Leave the objects of selfishness to the side. We're going to come together and we're going to worship God the way He wants us. We're about to see and to be revealed the coming of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want anything to hinder that, do you? And so we want that power that is within us. So we need that Holy Spirit. We need. So if you believe in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit that is waiting to enter your heart, I want you to stand with me. You don't have to worry about it. I've got it on the screen, the words. It's our theme song that we sang last night. We'll sing it tonight. Before you know it, you're going to have by memory by next weekend. But if you need the music, it's found on hymn number 672, Spirit of the Living God. Let's sing that together. choosing to follow the pattern in the Bible of a three-day fast not to impress other people not to call attention to self not to be gloomy but in the happiness and the joy of the Lord to come and to clear our minds and our bodies to be able to receive the power of and the strength of the Spirit of Christ. For we pray it in His name. Amen.